The OC debuted on August 5th, 2003 at Fox. Let's put 46 minutes on the clock. Pilot study, Chris and Grimes. They're talking all of your favorite shows. But only the pilot episode. That means the first show, in case you didn't know. When you never know what show they're going to talk about. But they're only going to talk about the first one. And that's the premise behind Pilot Study. Hello and welcome to Pilot Study. I am your host, as always, Chris Lantina, and I'm joined once again by Grimes. In the building. And we actually have a very special guest today. He is an MV podcast co-host. He is the vocalist for the band Their Wedding. He always rocks a puka shell necklace, and he's the world's biggest Joseph Arthur fan. It's Michael S. Conwellis. <laughs> what up? You know, that's what me and Kenny Vasoli have in common, so the that's puka right. shells for life. That's right. Uh, so, Mike, first off, you're a huge fan of this show. Oh Sec- my God, I love second show. off, you live in California. So I sure do. There is literally no way we could exclude you from this. <laughs> like, I, th- I, I thought of all the different ways we could exclude you, and I thought it's just it's not possible. I I totally have some very interesting things in terms of growing up in this show. Uh, once we get talking into this thing, <laughs> how how, clo- how close are you to the actual like set location of this show? Well, like the set, like the settings, like where they actually filmed it, or just like where it's taking uh, place. Both, I guess, if they're relevant. Uh, I, I think it was all in L.A. where they shot it. Right. But um, where first of all, where Ryan comes from, the city of Chino, I grew up in the city of Ontario. All of these cities are based in the Inland Empire, which is 45 minutes east of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, and Chino is just south of Ontario. So literally like the neighboring city that Ryan grew up in the hood and mm-hmm. was all like in this dangerous, reckless area. That was the city next to mine. <laughs> oh. Like you, we would like Chino was a place you would go to. Like you, it's not really a hot spot really anywhere in the IE is not a hot spot but Chino was like right there so like this show always had like a you know a nice place in my heart because you know it talks shit about where I pretty much grew up mm-hmm. uh where the OC is the Orange County if you will um that's where like that's just like south of Los Angeles like about maybe like 20 minutes or so I li- like I live in downtown right now so like that's like you know going 20 minutes from where I live but the OC is like, yeah, like just exactly as the show describes it. <laughs> so do you think because of that, um, that lo- the locales being so close to you, obviously you formed a bigger emotional bond with the show, but how was it very crazy when the show was going on? Did you kind of feel the buzz of a show being set there? Or is it just so many shows are set in California that you don't really, you guys don't really give a shit? <laughs> it was more of a joke. Cause the thing is like shows are set in California all the time. Like Orange County is like, obviously like there's a lot of like, you know, Beverly Hills, Orange County, rich areas are like kind of glorified in reality shows and stuff. Mm -hmm. But for Chino, Chino was the particular one. Number one, they didn't film any of the scenes in Chino. So like Chino's not really even in the show. It's just more mentioned and like talked about. And they granted they have the settings in Chino, but all those were filmed in Los Angeles. Um, So like it was just more of a joke because it's like Chino is like when I was growing up, the city of Chino was cow country where pretty much a lot of like dairies and farms were where there was just a ton of cows and just smelled really bad the ghetto that was, yeah like but that was the thing <laughs> it wasn't ghetto like there were like ghetto parts like the whole city in itself was more known for like cows it was cow country hmm. so it was strange. it's very interesting so it's like they picked chino as like the hood of where he grew up from but it's like <laughs> it's, it's just very funny how it's portrayed you know with the gray scale-ish kind of you know, low saturation, like filter to it, and makes it look very dangerous and scary. And like in reality, it's just a bunch of cows, and you know that's about it. And and then when you get to the OC, it's like um, stepping out of the house in The Wizard of Oz. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it's bright, and beautiful, and clean, and everyone's a model. And yeah, that's actually how the or- Orange County really is. At least like certain parts of it, like mm-hmm. that. That's pretty. That's a pretty accurate portrayal. Chino's a little different, but they they nailed orange county all right grimes i'm gonna let you get in here now this is we've talked about this before but we have a few foundational shows that really built us up in some way and you have always mentioned the oc at the top of this list so give us a little breakdown of your history with this show 
and just what what it kind of meant to you growing up and why you're so excited to talk about it today. All right. Well, I mean, we don't talk about ourselves a lot on this podcast because sometimes we only have 22 minutes. Um, but this is a little longer one and we have a guest. So basically, I was raised by television. <laughs> uh, you can assume a guy who does a, a podcast about television, like pretty into it. And this is one of those ones where the TV dad like became kind of my real dad. Uh, so my history with the show dates back to like Saved by the Bell, I guess would be the prequel. <laughs> and I've basically wanted to be Zach Morris since I was a youngster. And this show hit me when I was making life choices like going to college, what I'm going to do. I mean, I went to law school because of Sandy Cohen. Let me just keep it that real. Like <laughs> Peter Gallagher is the most idealized human in my mind at this point when the show's hitting me in 0304. I, I came out of the gate as an Atwood type character. And, you know, I always felt like I had to act like Atwood, but on the inside, I knew I was Seth. <laughs> like, <laughs> I really just wanted to, you know, have a blanket and listen to Death Cab and basically stay home and play games. But because I grew up in a hood, hood similar to Chino, known as Greenville, PA, um, all the poverty of Chino, but none of the closeness to anything cool like L.A. I basically, uh, every male figure on television became my dad for better or worse and this one worked out <laughs> so I wanna, that's just my foundation i want to do some some quick background info this show's <laughs> show is created by josh schwartz um he was i believe 26 at the time that he created this according to my notes and that was the youngest showrunner basically on network television at all yeah the, the youngest showrunner in prime time so this Josh Schwartz guy who's went on to write and create some other things um, was kind of the big figure in all of this. And um, another little thing that I took away from this Grantland article by Andy Greenwald, who also wrote a really good book on emo, if anybody's interested. Fantastic book. Yeah, fantastic book. Uh, he, he writes, It might be hard to remember how groundbreaking Adam Brody's character truly was. Here at last was the skinny nerd as co-lead, not comic relief. The Seth Summer relationship, which really isn't explored in this pilot at all, was every 80s comedy in reverse. The outcast who pined for the popular girl and wound up turning her into an outcast too. It was as if John Hughes had finally gotten his act together and made a movie with Ducky as the star. So he really hits on that Adam Brody character pretty hard. And I guess I kind of want to start with... We, we always seem to start with character introductions. And I think that's um, a good place to start here. A little plot overview when we open the show... Um, Ryan Atwood, played by Ben McKenzie, has stolen a car, is in jail, and of course he's met by Peter Gallagher, Sandy Cohen. Um, from there, Gallagher takes him home, and we have the beginnings of our of our Seth and um, Ryan relationship, and with our uh, Ryan being integrated into the OC culture relationship. So let's start with let's start with Ryan Atwood. That opening scene, the way they portray him, the constant tank tops. Leather jacket. <laughs> what, yeah, leather yeah. jacket. The the mute perspective that he has on a lot of things. Right, so what do we think about Ben McKenzie in this role, especially in the pilot, because we're trying to stick to the pilot, and just about the Atwood character in general and how they introduce him. Let's start with you, Grimes. I think they introduced him perfectly. I mean, he, they, like uh, Mike was saying earlier, it's it's shot in this, like, post-apocalyptic version <laughs> of Chino. <laughs> you know, this guy's stealing some shitty 80s Trans Am with his asshole brother who I hated for the whole series. I know we're supposed to stick to the pilot. Is, the, is there a different Trey's actor? Dick. Is there a different actor for him later on? I think so. It didn't. I was trying to see if it looked like him. I couldn't really tell. I'd have to check the credits. But, okay. but I yeah, think I the way they introduced him is like you said, you know, the tank top, the fucking scowl, the leather jacket. <laughs> this guy's. He's James Dean for millennials, man. He He's brought in and you know he's badass right away. Um, and then he's in jail like minutes later. I, I think that's that pretty much tells you what they wanted you to think of him, I guess. Pretty good choreography on that chase scene. I was kind of impressed by it. Like, it wasn't cringeworthy. Yeah, not as bad. It felt like they got a couple of real stuntmen on there and, like, really did it. What about what about you, Mike? That initial introduction and then Sandy Cohen's um, intro. I, I think it's I think it's fantastic. Like, I, it's funny, too, like, with that stunt scene. Isn't this show produced by, like, Mick G.? Yes. Yeah, and McGee yeah. is like 
the stunt guy. He did like the like, or at least like you know the kind of like he's an, a, he's an a, yeah he's an action guy yeah. <clears throat> I think like Charlie's yeah. Angels. Mm-hmm. So it totally makes sense that they would have like a pretty sweet action scene. I was actually it's funny. I was gonna when I started the episode, I thought this show was not like I haven't seen the first episode in quite a while, and I was like kind of fearing that it would not hold up very well. Same. And, like Ryan's character would kind of just be like, uh, you know, like kind of like that. I don't know, lifeless kind of just douchebag kind of just wandering around. Um, obviously that changes throughout the season, but um, in this first episode, like he's really mute and he's really quiet and he's just kind of taking it all in. But you know, he his his portrayal of like his facial features, his response to things, like he has like puppy dog eyes, man. Like <laughs> I feel for the guy. Like yeah. when like the house is empty and like. It's it's like his eyes just look so sad sometimes, and I think like that's portrayed in like that first introduction of him as like his brothers like being a douchebag and be like, "Bro, who's gonna teach you and whatnot?" Let's and, go, uh, bitch. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and like you can just see like in his eyes, like this dude's like just going through some pain. So like the actor in itself, like he was really like he, he was able great. to yeah he he was able to make that limited dialogue really work for him, especially in like the intro and kind of sh- showing him with Sandy and doing that introduction between the two like in their uh, conversations. I feel like our we have too much enthusiasm for me to follow any like set structure. We usually have like a set structure for the episode, but let's just go off on whatever we want to go off on. I kind of took notes, but I can go wherever you want me to go. Yeah, let's yeah. just let's just go wherever you guys want to go. You know, a scene that I really liked and one that Mackenzie sells really well is when he comes back or when he first enters the his house with his mom and the stepdad and that whole situation that seems to be played out in television. I think the way they kept it fresh was that the camera work within that house was very cops-like. It almost, yeah. it, it almost felt handheld and it was like very, uh, very much a shock to your system after the highly choreographed car chase. And... Mm-hmm. Um, I believe, yeah, like right after that, like the the Sandy Cohen scenes when he's first introduced to Atwood at the prison are very static um, because Sandy's the stable figure, you know. And but once he gets home, it's like fucking mass chaos with that camera, <laughs> and I love it because it really feels like, oh my, this is like a wild house right now. <laughs> yeah, well, dude, they got mattresses in the front yard, like mattresses, man. That's what like, I'm talking about. Chilling. <laughs> I noted that too. I'm like, why do white trash people always just have random household objects in their yard? Like, are you putting it there for later? Are you going to take a nap in the yard? Or are you just, you know, the garbage men don't come because it's so ghetto? It's just, it's just for homeless people, man, in case they want to take a nap or whatever. Yeah. I noticed that, that Mrs. Atwood kind of, there was a, as much as I love the OC and Mackenzie and everybody in it, there were a few moments until they get to the OC that I thought were kind of shitty. Like, Mrs. Atwood says, he just like his dad and his brother. That's like a thing you've heard in multiple shows. And then like the grown man, JP or whoever the boyfriend was like, oh, punches him straight right. in the face. Like, yeah. Motherfucking really AJ, happen? man. That guy's AJ. a dick. So, yeah, he just, like, I, it's like a 40-year-old dude. He's just like beating up a 16-year-old, but that's the hood, I guess. <laughs> that's how shit goes. You know what else um, they usually put in front yards are like tires. Tires, yeah, half tires. a car. Right. Like yeah, I, the grass is all shitty. All people have just random tires, like nice tires. They could probably just sell on Craigslist, which didn't exist at this point, <laughs> yeah. to, to make some money. But they're like, no, fucking leave them there. Um, Twenty uh, Mackenzie's twenty four at this time. Brody is about the same age. I don't like know, sixteen, right? I, I don't know how old the girls are, but I I don't know. I think I think they're all right. I don't. I didn't really see them as like old dudes playing teenagers, like what usually happens. Well, I think like it's. It was one of those kind of things where it's like I kind of accepted it for what it was because like they do look older, like especially during like the smoking scene. And Mackenzie's like, fucking jacked. I mean, his yeah. arms are as big as like fucking Jeremy Renner and Born Identity or Born like, Supremacy. Where, did, where is he working out? Because you know he can't afford yes, a gym. Bro. Like you know, there's nothing there. Let's, <laughs> well, as you know, G's often do pull ups on like street signs. <laughs> oh yeah, that's so. you know, Growing up in the the hood of Chino in Ontario, I used yeah, to always see. All the gangsters going to the street signs, doing the pull up, just wait, waiting for the bus, doing pull ups right at the stop there. You yeah, know, then- <laughs> let's let's take a quick moment to remember and just cement the fact that Grimes, in your born references, you picked the Jeremy Renner movie to reference. Out of yeah, all of them, Jeremy Renner's buff as hell compared to Matt <laughs> Damon. 
it's just the one we usually forget about. I'm glad you brought it up. Hey, man, you know I love me some Renner, and he did Louie, so I gotta love him. I love this line from from uh, Cool Sandy Cohen. I, I break it down into two Sandy Cohens. We've got Cool Sandy, where he's like either coming back from surfing, yes, or like <laughs> trying to connect with his children, or like serious Sandy, like talking to the cops and si- <laughs> signing paperwork. So, Lawyer Sandy. So like Cool Sandy is talking to Ryan Atwood, and he goes, dude, I'm on your side. <laughs> the, what's the one where he copies uh, Ryan's like uh, like little comment saying, like, don't mess up his grind or something like that? Don't or... salt his game, honey. Yeah, there it is. When he's, like, coming back from surfing. He's like, don't salt yeah. his game, girl. I fucking love Peter Gallagher in this show. I, I forgot, amazing in it, isn't I forgot he? who I, I just forgot how great he is in it. Yeah. It's funny because it's like, I think that those characters, the actors kind of develop them so much. Mm-hmm. Like, especially, like, I, I don't know, I don't want to jump ahead, but I know, like, with Adam Brody and stuff, too. But, like, I know that'll be a big conversation. But it's like, uh, with Sandy, like, I feel like Sandy was, like, those little liners and those little, like, what you said, like, with the two different sides of him. Like, I feel like that actor kind of just brought so much to the character that it's, like, so, I guess, like, it's charming. That's, like, one of the big things about this show, how, like, charming it is. Well, he's so charming, and he's so... he He's able to exude so much innocence, like, for being an older guy. And I actually think that this was... I think this was, like, kind of a bigger comeback role for him because he did, yeah. he did American Beauty, and mm-hmm. that, of course, won the Oscar, but I don't think he got, like, a ton of, like publicity from that and he has a whole bunch of other shit like in between i'm looking at his imdb right now tv movies like um voice work almost a joke at one point i remember Uh, like his eyebrows people used to make fun of and my mom would be like oh this guy sucks (laughs) (laughs) um he did mr deeds in 2002 i think he was he was a villain he was a villain in that and then the bad guy and then he gets the oc for four years so i really think it was like american beauty mr deeds and then the oc which kind of brought him back because he was in sex lies and videotapes um a while back and he got a lot of pub out of that but not much in between. Like, he takes a long break in between things, I've noticed. In between, like, real things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, maybe Peter Gallagher is a hard sell. I mean, it's not, uh, Hollywood's not an old man's game. It's not a big eyebrow game either. Nah, nah it's not. No. Nah. So, where, are we go- where do we want to go next? What else jumped out to you guys? Let's see. Well, you know, it's well, funny. The- well, going back with, um, with uh, with Sandy and his character too that kind of sold him pretty well was like just the whole concept of him bringing him home mm-hmm. like in all reality like that whole idea of just like oh he's just bringing one of his clients home kind of seems weird and strange and like the only thing he really has to go off of is that like Ryan was good on his SATs <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> smart right yeah, yeah. Like, you're like, good at taking tests so I'm gonna trust you in my three million dollar home he, he could just be a better psychopath than a dumb one yeah. <laughs> he's smart yeah he would be better at crime not worse he's like yeah. the, he's like the dexter of chino kids <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so i thought that was interesting because it's like it's just kind of a cheesy concept but you buy as it as i was watching it I, yeah like i totally bought into i bought into the show back then i still bought into it as i was watching the pilot like like yesterday like or the day before like it was it still sold me on it. Like, this is still great. Well, it, it helps that you so obviously see his relationship and that he sees himself in the kid. Yeah. And he's yeah. From, from the Bronx, made well, married a rich girl, and he assumes that this kid has a lot of the same stuff since he's smart. Uh, you know, I want to go over the intro scene real quick before we get too far into the show. So the standard intro, I had, I obviously had to watch the second episode. Oh, man. It makes its first appearance in the second episode, but this one... It is Ryan Atwood kind of stumbling around town, lifting weights, smoking cigarettes. <laughs> okay. All the usual Chino shit that Mike yeah. did growing up. That's, yeah. Man, yeah. it was a hard life growing up in that Chino. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to tell you, when that music comes on, like for, the, for that very first time, that intro music, which when you watch the pilot for the first time, you didn't know that was going to be the intro music. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking back, though, it really, really hits you in some way. Just hearing those opening keys of that Phantom Planet song. It's a great... It's a great intro to not like bring up the traditional cast and everything, just to kind of go for it and place the title below and everything. Yeah, I thought it was cool just kind of seeing him like kind of struggle in that way. Like it made you feel for him more, which I think was what they were really trying to get across. Like this kid was struggling. There was no reason to think he was an asshole. Mm-hmm. Like his brother is the asshole. He's right. the one that's just like you know reluctant. He just wants to get by. He wants to do well. He has fear of everything. Like 
I don't, it, it is like I agree completely. Totally good intro to it. Did any of us look up anything on why they chose the Phantom Planet song? I mean, obviously it has a direct reference, but <laughs> I don't know why. I um I love that they chose it, and I will be honest. Today was the first time I've listened to that song since I left California three years ago. Oh, I couldn't okay. listen to it. Yeah, I don't think any, I don't think anyone in California casually listens to that song. No, but for me, going back to like the whole obsession, like my whole life, I got to live out there. I got to live out there. Blah blah blah. So finally, like I'm, I live out there, and yeah, it's not like people are just sitting around the bonfire. Hey, this is all we listen to, dude. But like, it meant more to me, I guess, as a song being like. I don't know, like getting out there was more like, I made it, I live here now. Whereas somebody who grew up there or saw the show as like, okay, yeah, whatever, this is just more California <laughs> bullshit. For the rest of America, that's what, like we all think that California is Hollywood, like from San Diego to San Francisco, it's just Hollywood. You know, everybody's hot and rich and it's just fun and games and OC bullshit. No, that's pretty um, much how it is. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but you know, when, when you get there and you're just like, oh, okay, I'm here and like, Sandy Cohen isn't just going to save me. <laughs> I guess, I, oh, the song meant more to me, I guess, as somebody who had this idealized portrait in my mind that, like, when I get there, there's just going to be a Range Rover waiting at my job. Fucking love, like, love Range Rovers, bro. Yeah. yeah it's so, so <laughs> okay, can so I? The song was good. I, I like the song because of the show, I guess what yeah, I'm saying. It's a good song. It's a fantastic song. I have something really funny to bring up after this, but. You know, it, I, I guess I bring up the song because it's a weird... I felt like it was a little bit of a weird choice coming from the fact that the guy who ran the show obviously knew his, like, in, indie rock stuff, right? Because mm. they helped, you know, they helped break Death Cab and they helped break all these bands. And, like, if you look at the mixed volume one, like, Fan, Phantom Planet, that California song, is really the only obvious choice. And maybe it was so obvious that they just couldn't say no to it. Yeah, but like there's tons of other deep cuts that they selected from it wasn't like they were just picking the most obvious songs for everything it was really just the intro yeah it, it's a good it's a good song that like captures like that kind of look and feel like it's a good like that was a well-written song mm-hmm. and um as like an intro song too it's it's super well done and just it just happens you know it, it obviously says californian in a million times <laughs> but <laughs> and but I it think was like, just like breaking a band of that time you know jason schwartzman yeah. was in the band still and oh yeah I, I did famous fuckers going on i did forget about that hollywood connection being schwartzman and schwartzman being so closely related to oh what family is the coppola's Mm-hmm. And just like that whole connection, so I don't know, maybe that that played a role in it as well, because they were a very like Hollywood band. Yes, for, yes. for releasing one album that's pretty good, but far from their best work. <laughs> <laughs> they were like yeah. fully ingrained in the Hollywood culture. Uh, <laughs> um, so let's talk about Luke's gigantic truck. Oh, Luke! Jesus oh, Christ! Christ. Yeah, so like... Luke is the antagon the antagonist. Um, for at least the first few episodes in the second one he be already begins to have like a little bit of a a nice side to him but so in this one he rolls up and i swear to god the world's largest pickup truck like i feel like he had to have a ladder to get up to the door it you know it's crazy about that like that's i that didn't feel exaggerated at all That wasn't, that was not, like, that's the crazy thing about this show. Like, once they get to the OC, none of that stuff is exaggerated. It's really not. <laughs> that's that's really ridiculous because, like, with all the huge houses and, like, the perfect streets and, like I said, once they get to the OC, the camera barely, like, they use editing to move, not really the camera at all. Everything's mm-hmm. very stable, um, rock solid. They represent that, represent that in the camera work, but that's funny that it's not an exaggeration. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. I mean, in my experience, even in San Diego, which isn't, it's pretty different than the OC, but that bro culture of like, like there are rednecks there too. There are huge pickup trucks filled with surfboards, of course. And I mean, that those stereotypes and that shit is pretty real. I, I would I would agree. I've seen it as well. Even uh, when I did go up to like Newport Beach and stuff, I was like, wow, like you work on a farm. Why do you need an F-350 that's seven <laughs> feet off the fucking ground? But I mean, uh, maybe they, who knows? But yeah, that was pretty real. It's, it's, it's it, like, it's essentially that bro culture. It, it exists so much in California. Like even outside, like, the OC. yeah, yeah. Like it's, we all like, copy it, you know, <laughs> like going into like where Chino is in the Inland Empire, like those desert areas going 
further like east to Palm Springs and stuff, that whole culture still lives out there too. Like it's more like needed because you need a big truck and a big empty desert, I guess. <laughs> but it's just interesting. Like the bro culture is such a big thing out here. So it's like once that idea was introduced into this show too, where it's like, oh, like that totally makes sense. Like Ryan and like um, Seth would totally like have a bro antagonist because they are not the like, you know, they're not the traditional kind of like douchey like leads of a teen drama or anything like right. that. You know, they are they are different. They are unique. In the 80s and earlier 90s, Luke would have been the hero and Ryan and Seth, <laughs> yeah. the fucking nerds, would have been like stopping him from <laughs> banging Marissa and shit. You know what I mean? Like this flipped the script. Yeah, it's, it's so great. <laughs> Well, I mean, That's right, right. I mean, he would have been like the good guy twenty years ago. It's true. It's true. I, I mean, I think that's why the show succeeded on such like a, a, a large and such like a personal level for a lot of people is that they represented real, real individuals and they represented that nerd culture in a way that like Big Bang Theory wasn't around yet, you know. So we didn't have like nerdy. I'm putting it in quotes. Uh, any like Silicon Silica- Silica- Valley. Silicon Valley is a good yeah, one. Yeah. yeah. Um, Oh yeah, that's a great show. But we weren't yeah, without the OC. There's no fucking Silicon Valley. You think that little nerd would ever be on TV <laughs> without fucking Seth Cohen? No way. Seth, Seth Cohen led the way for all the nerds to take center stage and actually become something interesting. Well, let's let's, let's, ta- let's talk OG. about let's talk about Cohen and let's talk about Adam Brody. So well, oh, when we're first introduced to him, he okay. is playing video games at what I thought was like seven a.m. He's rocking out to some Never GTA. Never from the night before. He's rocking, yeah. out, he's rocking out to some GTA with his Rockstar poster on his wall. And, you uh, like steel cars. I mean, not that that's cool or uncool. <laughs> so what do we think about Seth Cohen? What's our attachment to this character? How about what did I base my personality off of when I was yeah. empty inside? <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm like a recovering bro, as you know, Chris. I mean, you're part of that recovery. That I was Luke at one point in life. Oh, you guys are monsters. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I was a pussy still, and I never actually beat anyone up because I was always kind of weak. But I was definitely mean and like looking to, I don't know, were you, were take you, it out on people. Were you calling people queers all the time? I never said <laughs> suck it queer. I, n- I never said that at a party. But I mean... <laughs> Okay, the party scenes in this show the are man. like <laughs> fucking insane. Kids coke are, at a high school. Dude, yeah, they're doing coke and fucking stripping. Casually, like, like casual lines on the coffee table. I get that it's supposed to be like a little more hardcore, but don't you think the party scene in Chino would have been like more hardcore than the OC? Like these rich kids, well, they can they can afford coke. Maybe that's what it is. These rich kids are doing coke and just like fucking drinking until they're being dumped on their doorstep. Hardcore <laughs> shit. In the tub, like, oh yeah, I forgot about that part. Yeah, well, yeah, three ways in the tub. You know, I got a knock next time. You know, there might just be a threesome going on in the bathroom. I like the four foot bong on the coffee table. Also, like, no big deal. We're just gonna, yeah. you know, you know, like all the drug use and like you know using suck it queer. This show is pretty, uh, pretty intense. You know, it went pretty far. They so will. Gotta... They drop a lot of bitches. Um, yeah. Coke use, threesomes. <laughs> drinking i mean <laughs> all, with, all within the span of 15 minutes or but, not even that like 10 minutes they could do all that and be pg but if they drop two two f-bombs watch out <laughs> watch out because that's a rated r baby yeah i well like going back to like um the introduction of seth too <clears throat> when he's like playing his playstation and i think this has attributes a lot to adam brody like bringing to the character like they portrayed seth pretty like more like more of an exaggerated nerdy in a way, like, I guess, like, maybe to kind of drive home the point that he's, like, kind of a social outcast. Like, in all reality, like, like, why does everyone hate this guy? <laughs> like, it, like everyone's, like, calling him, like, a, like, a, like, a queer, or, like, calling him a douche, or calling, like, calling names and stuff. Like, it, was he just sarcastic to everybody? Like, what did he do to everyone that made them so mad at him? Okay. It's a good question. <laughs> me, and, me and Grimes talked about this a little bit, or at least I sent him my thoughts. Mm-hmm. I think that it, say this show was set in today's today's environment and we had all the social media stuff. This is what I think the Seth Cohen character would be. He would be a dude that had 50,000 tweets but like 100 followers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would be that. that would be him. Like his mm-hmm. his communication being so introvert, so introverted. 
I think they just make fun of him because he doesn't talk. Like he's a good looking yeah. kid. It's not like the they made him yeah. like super nerdy or with glasses and braces or something. So yeah. it, it is kind of strange that he's such a loser. <laughs> and he's rich as fuck. I yeah, mean, no and, he, and he's a rich, rich kid. Would be an outcast. I'm sorry. Like yeah, you know, oh, I, I listen to indie rock, so everyone kicks my ass twenty four seven. Like I don't think that <laughs> they might have taken that shit a little too far just to kind of set up like how they yeah. do in pilots. Um, yeah. Just to make sure you know that this guy is a fucking nerd. We all hate him. Ryan <laughs> is here to give him like the coolness and confidence he's going to need to navigate through high school. Where was our montage? We needed a montage to sh- for, of Ryan showing him how to be cool. Right, no, like sleep, definitely sleep, doing pull-ups and wearing a wife beater. They got to have a scene where Ryan puts glasses on set and then immediately takes them off. <laughs> With his fist, says just punches them off. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck your glasses. We will now do pull-ups at the corner of La Cienega. I'd love to see a more exaggerated version of this show. Like a like an eastbound and down version where every time Ryan had to open a door, he would kick it open and break it. <laughs> He'd be wearing a tank top with like the California state flag on it. That's right. Well, it's like with with how Seth was, like that character really did like set like kind of like the standard of like how a nerd can rise up and become the protagonist of a show and become someone everyone kind of like loves and is so charming. It's interesting. Like what he kind of did for this show, like with Ryan as well. Like you figure like the simple math of it, like Ryan's going to be like the heartthrob. Everyone's going to love him because he's such a bad boy. But then really Seth stole the show all the time. Like the whole first season I think is like, Oh, it's a Seth show. (laughs) Andy, Andy, Andy owns a sailboat. Mm-hmm. Let's not we forget. have to talk about that. That, that part's a little boat. creepy too. They they definitely push that a little like hard on the creepy side of him, like naming his boat after Summer and stuff. Right, and Summer Who he's never is, spoken. To. Summer yeah. is the worst human oh. being of all yeah. time. And, oh like, my god! The first yeah. episode, and it just continues. Like she is a cokehead. <laughs> yeah, she she is awful. Like I don't understand why he likes her. Like I don't she, either. she's terrible. They leave Marissa, uh, Marissa like sitting on like. Yeah, she's about dead. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, "Oh, call us tomorrow," but uh, and then they drive drunk <laughs> with their huge yeah. ass Hummer or whatever they have. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, they were definitely drunk driving. Not a big deal. But she's <laughs> she's she's also a cokehead. She's also really mean. She also is not. We don't like to bring tons of looks in here, but obviously Misha Barton's the standout of this episode, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. She's wearing way too much eyeshadow. Let's I just... don't know. I always found Summer to be, like, yeah, I was but... more in line with her. I never, yeah, but like, your, ju- your judgment's clouded by late Summer. Yeah, Summer changed throughout the show. She did change, but I always found her just... If I'm objectifying both of these actresses, <laughs> well, well, let, let's be, I find let's her be fair. Let's be fair. Let's objectify the men and the women. Okay, so, I think I think Seth is. I think I would if I'm a lady, I'm gonna sleep with Atwood, of mm-hmm, course. Right. And if I'm a dude, I'm going after Summer. Okay. Which Mike, I am a dude, I guess. I Mike. shouldn't say. <laughs> you know, yeah. As a dude, I'd go for Atwood. As a dude, I'd go for Summer. <laughs> all right, so we all agree then. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what kind of necklace is Atwood wearing? This, I wrote that down. I said, Joker? What's, I said, what's that? I said, what's that necklace he's rocking? It's just a black string. <laughs> well, that's all you can afford in Chino, dog. Yeah, man. And Chino's hard times. He just goes to like the liquor mart down the street, gets a string, and puts it around his neck. And Bro, just... this used to be my shoelace, dude. <laughs> that's probably the black string that came around like tying the bag on a bottle of Crown Royal he stole. That's true. That's true. To drink and steal cars and shit. Like you got to be fucked up. You got to you got to do drugs and drink to get in that mindset to do drive-bys and Nah, man. They don't do drugs in Chino. That scared Ryan when he went to that party. <laughs> they don't yeah, have enough money. They don't super, have enough money for the coke. N- no, he's super scared of drugs, but that, like he's fights grown men and has like steal, <laughs> stolen cars. Well, no, no. He, I think he was more at home at the party because d- doesn't he say welcome to the dark side when they walk in? Yeah. No. Well, he. Yeah, because he wants Seth to know, like, this is uh, real. This yeah. is this is my world, sucker. <laughs> yeah, this is where I come from. Do we want to talk about the fashion show? Yes, oh, I do, man. because it's terrible. <laughs> I love the line that um, Marissa says in her speech. It's such a good cause, you guys. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's the. <clears throat> I think that line right there, how she says that, that was the most 
accurate portrayal of the OC <laughs> of any line. Just because yeah, of, like, I definitely noticed she said, you know, she was so sincere. Like, really, I'm a good person. I do fashion shows. Like, it's so good. Yeah, it's a good cause, you guys. I, yeah. I, let's go sort some fucking rails. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I wanted Ryan to walk into the party and go, Welcome to the dark side. And then I just want him to do a rail right then and there off some, off some girl's butt. Boom. Boom. I'm in. No, let's talk about how, like, Luke, just by uh, Marissa just looking at Ryan to get back at her, just goes and bangs, like, bangs a whole another thing. girl <laughs> on the beach. Comes like, back talk about... Yeah, like, he's got anger problems, man, where it's like, you looked at someone else, well, I'm going to go have sex with someone else. Okay, okay, hold and on. And still be pissed at you. So spoiler alert for like the next ten seconds for people. I'm going right now. Does Luke Luke ends up banging Marissa's mom and he ends up being gay, right? Yep. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, we're back. Spoilers done. All right. Um <laughs> So he at this fashion show, he's what? clearly out of place. They what? were offering all these appetizers. Then he orders a liquor drink and they give it to him. And and his uh pseudo mom who is amazing looking just takes it away from him like a total boss <laughs> and i felt I like, this was I like the her authority in this show i think yeah. she's always been great mm-hmm. she's a grounding character and i think this i i know there have always been like unrealistically beautiful sitcom moms but i think the oc like seth's mom escalated this shit to like the mom scene we have now like when i go to target i'm like amazed by how hot moms are but in the earlier <laughs> 90s and 80s and shit like moms weren't hot they were like regular moms you know i will say kelly rowan who is the woman who plays the mom there what's, what's her name in the show uh kristen or kirsten kirsten yeah kirsten kiki mad nicknames top but. top notch tops all the younger girls in this yeah show. Just, yeah she's beautiful yeah um, and, but like and also like with her like you go you look at her and what's the um What's uh, Marissa's stepmom's name? Uh, Julie, yeah. Julie. Where it's like those two are kind of like, you know, compared because it's like the neighbor thing and the two different moms that are kind of next to each other. And like you could see like how like um, Kirsten is so more natural and real and like a realistic grounded character versus like, you know, having that juxtaposition of like the uh, ridiculous, exaggerated, like fashion like really body. mean like, yeah like her looks are so exaggerated and her personality is so like orange county exaggerated it's just interesting seeing those two together like at least like kind of like being the two moms that are near each other well they're really two sides two sides of the same coin and that coin mm-hmm. is that coin is falling into money mm-hmm. like do you take money and do you start a business and are you a responsible respectful adult or do you take money and buy ponies and lounge lounge around with your broke husband and wear too much makeup, right? Right. Like, uh-huh. it's really the two sides of that coin. Um, let's see what else we got here. Oh, yeah, the fashion show is just horrendous. <laughs> worst off, worst right? moment. Like, that should be, like, a, a mid-season throwaway episode of fashion yeah, show. Yeah, could have cut that shit out of the whole Ugh. pilot. Well, it had to set up the party. What? How else was everyone going to be together? To, I don't to know. Do True, and I think, I think it... I agree, and I think it sets up just the personality of the people and how kind of they're supposed to be portrayed as these like empty idiots that only care about clothes and superficial shit. Mm-hmm. No, that it certainly works in that way. It's just like Misha Barton, of course, is a terrible actress, and her her, <laughs> her speech is painful, and I think that's what's part of it. Okay, so I did I did a couple. You're of not them. a fan of her, huh? No, I'm not a fan of her. Not in this her, episode. Her acting, at least. yeah, her acting overall in the show it got better bit. maybe a little yeah and just in the second episode there's a huge jump in her quality mm-hmm. i was like her her, her character had a lot of like peaks and valleys throughout the series in this yeah. show so when, did her mom the julie cooper character was right. all over the place yeah like there was some strange some strange stuff going on with that one also when misha barton turned into a lesbian at some point oh, oh yeah that's a <laughs> uh, season three or season four or something yeah Seth- with Seth's love interest at the club, the rock club. I love how there's like rock yeah. clubs. Is that a thing? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't really so. have them here. Well, rock clubs, yeah, they're kind of a thing. Like depending, it, I think it's a little bit more niche than that. At least like in the night or in the early two thousands, yeah. it kind of was more. You know, where would they be going today? I'm thinking like a barcade. Yeah. Uh, well, or, yeah. 
Exactly. I don't know. Probably, That's a good no, question. if they're if they're in Los Angeles, they'd probably go to Morrissey Night or something. A dispensary. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they would be at emo night. <laughs> Because I think, like, in the early 2000s, I remember, I think, like, 80s nights were big back then. Mm-hmm. So if I, when, I, when I was in high school, no, maybe it was rock nights. I don't remember in high school. I didn't go out. I remember, like, all ages, very terrible clubs where we would go to, like, smoke cigarettes underage. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't as badass. But I guess nothing is as badass as life in California. I mean, you know. I've I've got I've got some good stuff for us here. So Seth's room, I actually looked at all the posters and I wrote down the bands. We've, <laughs> Perfect. We've got we've got just a general CBGB one. Okay. We've got the Misfits. We've Jeez. got Fear. We've got the Hives. We've got Ramones and Black Flag. I think so, a, a pretty poor curation because he thinks he's some big punk. Mm-hmm. But then you got the hives in there. That throws off the entire thing. The hives thing. is the only one that fits him. There that, is no way he well, would listen to the Misfits or Fear. Maybe no. Rollins era Black Flag, but that's <laughs> a stretch. Like it totally goes to like the idea of what a real like high school kid goes through. Like they think they're all cool listening to the Ramones, listening to the Misfits, and they realize, oh, I never really liked this stuff. In all reality, their collection is the Hives, and they're listening to their Phantom and the Killers Force. and all that yeah, shit that he they're really, really likes. listening to like all that indie pop stuff. Then he gets older and he realizes, oh like this music's cool too i don't have to buy these shitty like misfits posters anymore <laughs> they should have went full yeah, that's full, right. full meta full organic sound in that every song that was played it had to originate from a source like it has <laughs> to be like somebody's like oh listen to this cool new phantom planet song right they, they just like <laughs> splice it in every week check out this great new single by you know whoever was big in 03 you know i think they used to do that in the like po in the post-credit yeah. scene it was yeah in the post-credit scene they used to have like a thing i remember that too like when it was on where it's like in tonight's episode or right. these are some of the songs and yeah by and then buy our album that you know that just happens mm-hmm. to be those c volume whatever yeah uh the, the the hives poster really stuck out to me because i felt like it was a. Uh, like they were connected to like whatever label that was, and they were like, "Okay, put a hives poster like front and center in one shot." Yeah. <laughs> They're like, "All right, whatever." Um, <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> an- another another thing about Atwood is he's really good at making a really quick breakfast. He made all this bacon <laughs> and all these eggs, and <laughs> in just the time it took for uh, Kirsten to have a conversation with Cool Sandy, who just <laughs> just got back from surfing. That's right. <laughs> He was like made a five star breakfast in like five yeah. minutes. It was pretty amazing. First of all, how did he learn to cook in a house with no pots or pans or food? And second off, are they gonna be upset that he cooked like twenty strips of their bacon? Yeah, like he kind of like invaded their house and took all their things and started making food out of it. Like I'd be a little more pissed. I mean I would eat the bacon, I'd be pissed about it though. Yeah. Um so he's a really bad smoker. <laughs> yeah those yeah. smoking scenes when uh, what about let's t- go back i have to mention when atwood and marissa first meet in the driveway let's just go over that conversation who are you whoever you want me to be oh, <laughs> yeah the most brilliant line. And, and then he lights he her sig off of his and then Ooh. he's like i stole a car wait can i ask does that really work to light a sig off That's- another sig Oh, it does. Okay. You know who does that though? Fucking degenerates that smoke four packs a day and don't have the time to like light. <laughs> you know, like a kid probably. I don't know. That's a stretch, but it, it plays to the whole badass. Like I know how to do cool shit, and she even kind of looks at him like, "What is this new technique?" And he's like, "I stole a car." <laughs> like those lines there made me hate and feel so bad for Ben McKenzie. Like you guys really had to make him fucking act like that. Like they could have, you know. Yeah, Give the guy more credit. He's not that much of a douche, but maybe they wanted to, I don't know. I don't I know what that still, was about. I think they were still trying to find, like, I think this show kind of stumbled upon a very unique dynamic with these characters, at least, like, kind of developed thing, them into, like, not just stereotypes. And I feel like they yeah, still, yeah. they were still bouncing around with, like, that kind of problem in the beginning here. Like, with Seth kind of being, like, overly nerdy, Ryan being overly, like, James Dean badass. Right. Um, you know, and they push it for the pilot too to kind of give you some foreshadowing. Like this is where this is where we begin, you know, these stereotypes, yeah. these kind of touchstones, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like Summer being like overly awful and stupid Horish. and like, <laughs> Yeah. So bad. Oh my yeah. god. She's, She's like wearing no clothes doing coke off a stripper's butt or something. <laughs> Like, like oh did, did they God. did they have to take her to that level? She is like, there's no redeeming that character except they yeah. do they do somehow. 
Yeah. Oh. Like it, that was definitely, I feel like they set themselves up for such a challenge because it's like, they obviously introduced summer is going to be like Seth's love interest. Cause he's obsessed with her. Right. And like, but they portray her so like, awful. He, he would so never like, like her. No. Yeah. Like, any self-respecting person in any form would not think Summer is a good person and would want to be with her. He would like some girl that liked the same kind of music as he as he does, which I believe he does later in the series. He, likes he would like Zoe de Chanel. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that, I forgot the, the the other love interest that comes in later on. I forgot her name, but yeah, I yeah he does. I know who, who she is. She's also an entourage. Also, All-American Rejects, Swing, Swing, Drop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, one. I don't know if it's cool because you guys are younger than me and cooler, but I like those. I like that song. I, yeah. I'm not going to sit here and listen to an All-American Rejects album in its entirety today, but I, I don't hate on that shit. No, oh, I, I, was, lo- I, I love was, that band. I wasn't being facetious <laughs> one bit. I love that song. That first All American Rejects album, I love that. Pretty record. good, right? I mean, I'm just always afraid to earnestly like anything because your generation will just hang me for it. But. <laughs> no, no, I think I think unironically, I enjoy the music from the OC still to this day. Most of the music I think is pretty good. I think it's it, really I think good. it's pretty safe to like the self titled and move along from All American. I think yeah. you're you're safe like in that in that area. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And if we learn any. If we learned anything from the OC, it's that, you know, you got to embrace who you are. If you True. like them, That's so right, Mike. You, you got to like it, you know? True. Like, so right. Okay. That enabled me to do that. This show enabled me to be the man I am today. <laughs> you know, we have our own OC developing in this, uh, this podcast here right now, and I like it. Um, Joseph- me and Chris are definitely a real-life uh, Ryan and Seth. Oh, we are, for sure. Oh yeah. See, the, see, oh, that's another thing too. Like, there was a there, like the interaction between those two. I love good it. stuff. Good stuff. I love the bro hug. They Atwood goes to shake his hands, and the, mm-hmm. says, "Like fuck that." I hug, and then I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> I hug too." I hate shaking hands. It's dumb. I was I was really hoping this episode would be a backdoor pilot to Friday Night Lights, and that he goes to Austin, picks up football, <laughs> boom, baby. <laughs> He's in Dylan Panthers. Here we come. We uh, yeah. He. Oh no. Does he try to go to Austin in the first episode, or is that the second? I, I may have just went into second episode territory, which is a cardinal sin on this podcast. Yeah, I'm not even. I'm not even answering you. Fuck. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> I got a quick question. If this show aired today, is there any chance Ben McKenzie is not in a Marvel movie? No chance. I mean, <laughs> fucking Pratt ended up in one from this shit. <laughs> Yeah. We okay. can't we can't forget about that either. I, I have to, and I have to keep going on my what would it be if it was present day? Seth would have fifty thousand tweets, a hundred followers. Luke would <laughs> Luke would see an Instagram photo of Ryan and Marissa, and then he would kick <laughs> his ass that way. Um, <laughs> I agree, and he would write like the meanest shit in the comment section. That's where he would write like "fuck this queer" or something like that that goes along with. <laughs> They would, like, start campaigns on Facebook for Seth to kill himself and shit, and it would have, like, 4,000 likes. Uh, welcome to the OC, bitch. <laughs> well, uh, the welcome to the OC, bitch line, which we haven't talked about and is amazing, because it's a five-on-two fight, and they act like they just, like, yeah. kicked, 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 like, the ass so of the Denver Broncos or something. Yeah, they just beat up John Cena. <laughs> Uh, they would somebody would catch that on Snapchat and that would become a thing. Yeah, that would one you sure become a big thing. And I actually thought of a couple bands that would be in a present day OC. The Front Bottoms would be in one. Mm, mm, that's a good um, one. The 1975 would be in it. Oh, guarantee 1975. And I don't know what the f- what the featured song would be, but I'd want it to be by Katy Perry. <laughs> California girls. Well, yeah. I, I was thinking about that, but I... nah, it, it has to be more indie than that. It has to be like an uh, indie, uh, indieish band. What's indieish? What, what, what would be a band that has? But a, a Hollywood song? indie band. So like who? Jared Leto's band. Uh, oh, what are they God, called? No. Thirty Seconds to Mars. No, uh, no, they're too mainstream. Too cool. I'm lo- I'm looking up songs that are called California. So there's had... a, um there's a California song that's by uh, um, Grimes. Oh, that would be perfect. Mm, perfect. I forgot how. Yeah, I think that's. I forgot about that song. It's on, or, it's on album. Or California Nights from Best Coast. Oh, oh shit! Yeah, that, that one too. That's that's Damn. even better because they're kind of like hipper than Grimes. Right. Yeah. They're like more that's, of a fan of Planet. Delta, yeah, exactly. Delta Spirit has a, cal- a song called California. That song's fucking good too. How yeah, am I forgetting all these? 
Yeah, so there's a whole bunch. There's a lot of classic songs of it, but there are some. What about Maroon Five leaving California? Oh, fuck that. <laughs> they would. Maroon Five is like who Luke and Summer would be listening to doing coke. Oh shit! But they'd be like at Adam Levine's house doing it with him. <laughs> hold on, guys. Hold on. Is it Sia or Sia? Sia. Sia. Sia has a song called California Dreaming. Oh man! So it could, it could be heard. What, al- well. what, what album is that on? That's on the San Andreas soundtrack. I think nailed it with West Coast, though. I really think if this shit was now, it would be California Nights because that is such a similar like. Yeah, it's a pop, it's a pop song basically. All right, let's uh, so let's just go over some. We're obviously going over today because this episode is so good. But let's just do some of our random notes. So let's do anything that you didn't get to, like three random things that we didn't get to from each of us. Okay. okay, who wants to go first? You go. Well, the uh, song by Joseph Arthur that you mentioned Great. is really good, uh, which just goes into dumb music again. Why are men considered sickos if they like kids? Why are we all assumed to be pedophiles if we just want to help out a young dude who might need help? <laughs> and, Wait, is, this, is that in reference to Sandy? Yeah, Sandy, and then I guess um, not to go outside the pilot, but like flash forward with what happens to Atwood, and then it kind of happens in the finale. Like he runs across a little kid, and it looks like him, and they kind of flash back to that the pilot. Oh, and okay. so I don't like that about society. Like I'm, I'm not a sicko. Maybe I, I grew up shitty like Atwood. I want to help little kids. I don't know how to do this without you know, just the thought. Okay, <laughs> and then um. Yeah, I, I guess other than that, we covered all my shit, but uh, I just love it, man. I, I can't get over it. It makes me want to get in the car and just drive back out there to my old apartment and be like, I never left. Why would I leave paradise, you know? Where were you in uh, California? Uh, San Diego. Okay. So very different, but similar enough that, you know, I get some of the stereotypes and shit. Oh, yeah, I love San Diego. It's a great city. Yeah, it is, but... um. Not as good as Edinburgh, PA, where I met Chris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we had a lake, brother. We had a lake. Try moving from Southern California to Northwest PA sometime and tell me why it's wrong that I'm suicidal. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Mike. Three. But no, this shit was classic and I loved it. So that's all I got. Three random things, Mike. All right. So my first one, uh, why in the beginning did they steal a car? <laughs> like, what was, the, what, what was the point of that? <laughs> you, you, just like, don't, you just don't get art, bro. <laughs> it's like I was actually thinking that as it just began, like as they started doing the chasing, I was just like, "Wait, why'd they do this?" <laughs> <laughs> it could have used a little more buildup. Ah, uh, yeah, it was just like it's just a random walking up to a car, stop being a bitch, blah blah blah, all that good stuff. Um, I liked uh, Ryan's use of uh, a payphone, which was uh, interesting mm-hmm. to see. Yeah, no, no cell phones. The, the cell phone thing that was uh, also like at the party. I saw like new uses of cell phone, and it was like a glamorous thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my last note is, uh, we're all the Mexicans, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, or anybody in, non-white. Yeah, like in Chino, other than or like when you get to the OC, you have Rosa as the as the housekeeper. <laughs> but like in mm. Chino, I grew up over here. A lot of Mexicans. I'm Mexican. <laughs> that was mostly Chino as Mexicans. I feel like Ryan should have been Mexican. We seem to have Grimes. We seem to have this conversation a lot, where the only Mexican person is cast as the housekeeper, housekeeper, <laughs> or somebody shitty criminal. I think if this, going back to what you were saying, Chris, if this show happened today, I, I bet you, um, Atwood would be a Latino character. Yeah, it would make yeah. sense. You know, some something other than white and Jewish would help. Not even any <laughs> black people, though. Really, were there any at the party, or mm, even no. like the servers at the fucking uh, fashion show? Were well, white. okay, I wasn't gonna bring this up, but this will be one of my three. Okay, first off, the first gay person we meet is the server, of course. Yeah, and oh, the yeah. first very bla- stereotypical. Too. <laughs> the, the first black person we meet is a total suit who is coming to bust up the uh, the guy for probably tax evasion or whatever. So, oh, coming to get Marissa's right, dad, right. yeah. So there's two, well, there's two black people, the, the tax guy and the cop. So they're mm-hmm. all the bad figures that are hunting <laughs> yeah. the other people. Okay. So yeah, I, that's, yeah. It's a little off. So here's my three random things. <laughs> you couldn't do the passed out scene anymore. You just, you couldn't do that. I just think it wouldn't work, not with rape culture going nuts like it is. Cosby. Um, yeah. Social media yeah. blasting the occurrences. He does a lot of looming and lurking. <laughs> and, uh, he does lurk. Yeah, it's. I just. I just think people would take it like a. They would take it a weird way. I. I really do. 
Um, let's see. I had I had three, but now I I completely. I have one more sort of Easter egg, I guess, um, dealing with Brody. Uh, he mentions to Atwood at one point like they're in a fight club or something, and then fast forward a few years to Mr. and Mrs. Smith when Adam Brody works with Brad Pitt, he wears a Fight Club t-shirt. And the same director as this pilot, by the way, Doug Lyman. So there you go. Yeah, oh, that's cool. I like that Easter egg. Uh, oh, geez, I, I freaking lost everything, didn't I? I had three, but I completely lost them all. They were all well, good. So, just, so, imagine, yeah, just imagine them being really good. Yeah, well, like that whole the whole um, passed out scene where Ryan picks up Marissa. Like as I was watching it, because I couldn't really remember, I was actually like thinking that same exact thing. Like, isn't someone going to come outside and then think he did it? Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like where was the victim? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It it wouldn't be good. Also, in the it's second the, the second episode, Ryan both rocks the necklace and a leather armband. Oh wow. man! Yeah, uh, yeah. He rocks the leather armband at some point, and it's very, very. Uh, very interesting. All right, let's let's uh, let's jump into an episode of spinoff. All right, so spinoff is our little mini show here where we talk about a character from the show. We try to give them their own. Excuse me, it's actually called Spin Out. I messed that up. We talk about spin-offs that each of these characters could potentially get. So we try to each come up with one based on one character from the OC. If they got a spin-off, what would it be? What would be your log line? And what would the story what would the story generally be about? So Grimes, you, you have at least one really good one, I know it. Well, my first uh my first attempt would be a Sandy Cohen spin-off. Okay. Where, as you know, well, as you don't know, but spoiler, at the end of the series, he is a professor at Berkeley, a law professor. All right. And so what I would have is a show called Higher Learning, which I know the title has been taken by an Ice Cube movie. (laughs) But for the sake of this universe we're in, it's called Higher Learning. And so it's Sandy Cohen going about his life in Berkeley and he goes to this dispensary all the time instead of a bar and like his buddies come. it's like cheers but set with weed and Sandy Cohen is like Frasier and it's just him and his buddies getting high and like occasionally Seth comes to visit in a very special episode with Summer and like the grandkid and <laughs> Sandy just becomes like a stoned out professor <laughs> kind of like Californication mixed with the OC I like that Mike, do you got one? You literally like stole like the Sandy Cohen being a teacher <laughs> idea that I just I just developed in my head. But I have another one. Okay, go ahead. All right, I have one that's um I don't have a name for it, but I'll I'll give the pitch. I want to see Seth as a band manager of a successful band, oh. and like they're all like drugged out, like these the kind of like burnt out rocker dudes as they get bigger and bigger. So he's just trying to keep the band together. So he's out on the road trying to keep it all together, kind of like a get him to the Greek, but with you know Adam yeah. Brody. Yeah. And like a group of like crazy bandmates, you know? Okay. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I forgot to mention we try to give it a title. If you don't have a title, then then oh. that's okay. But we you try lose, to lose, bitch. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> we try to, to give the a OC title. Pilot. That's what it would have been. I just thought about the pitch, not even the title this whole time. You know, it's I uh, didn't have a title for my first one either. It's yeah, a... it'll be called Seth and the Go Getters. Oh, I like that. Okay, so mine would have to be based around Luke, obviously. <laughs> And I was trying to, I'm trying to think of a good situation for him to be in, and I think the Fight Club one sparked something in me. I think Luke, after just having enough of the OC, goes to Thailand, right? <laughs> so it's set in Thailand, and Luke has set up a Fight Club of sorts, where he just rumbles with people every single night. He's got like a little lover on the side, but it's set in Thailand. It stars Luke. I'm trying to think of a title though. That's the problem. But he would just—it would just be—it would be a lot of fighting. It would be like Arrow, but with ten times more fighting. Mm-hmm. The whole all, the whole episode would just be a general rumble. So <laughs> that's it. That that's mine. Hosted by Joe Rogan. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Grimes, you got any more? Any more spin out? Yeah. Well, I got the Seth and Summer one where it's uh, I would make it like an overly corny network Big Bang Theory style shit where it's just called Seth and Summer and it's their perfect little shitty sitcom life kind of 
kind of funny. <laughs> Man, that's gonna um, or stuff. one where you see Ryan's life called Atwood and Associates, and it's like Mad Men, where he's just like fucking drinking. <laughs> His life, like he gets, he goes crazy, and like he starts this architecture firm, but it gets too. He like gets way rich, like Sandy. And, you know, he goes to him and he's like, "Dude, I, I hate being rich. I hate this shit. Like, it's crazy." He's like, "Look, you just got a Mad Men this shit, man." Can I tell you guys that Kevin Sorbo, aka Hercules, is in this show at some point? Yes, he is the. Uh, um, he is he's a, Atwood's real dad. Is he? Yeah, oh, Frank Frank Atwood. I, I was just kind of going down. Shailene Woodley's in this as the little sister. She ends up being nominated for an Oscar. Oh, geez, who else is in this? A whole summer character is pretty interesting too. Later on, Atwood's girlfriend after Marissa dies. Spoiler! Oh man, it's over. Bitch fell off a cliff. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like they killed off a lot of people. A lot in weird ways. Like yeah, like everyone had a strange death. Uh, Max Greenfield, who's on New Girl, plays young Sandy Cohen, a flashback Sandy Cohen. Wow. That's, That's intense. Crazy. Lucy Hale from Pretty Little Liars and current pop star is in this show for one episode. There's so many people that show up for just one episode. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who's a good actor. Uh, Steve-O, who is a first Marine in one episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> huh. That's uh, crazy. Colin Hanks is in one episode. God, it's just... Rats in a, a couple what? seasons. Yeah, Colin Hanks does like a little arc, doesn't he? Uh, no, he's just in one episode, I guess. Oh, I thought he had an arc or something. Pratt has an arc as Summer's boyfriend in college who gets her into activism. Oh. And that's oh. what got him onto Parks and Rec and thus ruined my life, making him a superstar. <laughs> God. <laughs> I'm not a Chris Pratt fan, Mike. I try to mention that at least once a week. Uh, okay. And I'm putting that together, you know. I, I was just thinking, like, <laughs> how can anyone not like Chris Pratt? Well, <laughs> I, if you can find something or someone to hate, your boy Grimes will hate on it. He's in nine, ep- <laughs> he's in nine episodes as somebody named Chi. Yeah, he's like a super hippie. It was when he was fat before he needed that Marvel money. Mm. Um, he grew the <laughs> shitty patch beard. I'm Just into total it. douche. I'm into it. All right, well, let's wrap yeah. it up. Um, Mike, thank you for joining us. You're our yeah. first ever guest on Pilot Study. Oh, thanks for having me. I and love this show. Believe so. it or not, I'm pretty sure you were the first ever guest on the MV podcast, I think. Um, yeah. So, you, so you're just doubling up as the first ever guest on things. And of course, <laughs> as always, I have to thank Grimes. Hey, no doubt, man. You know, most of these shows, if I've even seen them at all, I don't care that much. But this shit, like, changed the game for me. <laughs> Music, uh, clothes, everything. This is uh, in our theme month called Wrong Side of the Tracks. <laughs> so next week, we will have another Wrong Side of the Tracks show. And we'll give you a little preview of that at the end of this episode. So stick around. Follow Pilot Study Pod on Twitter. You can email us at pilotstudypod at gmail.com. If you suggest a show, we'll probably do it. So suggest your favorite show, and we'll try to tackle it at some point. And, uh, yeah. So uh, listen and subscribe and do all that stuff. You can also find us on SoundCloud. And we will talk to you guys soon. Hey, hey, it's Sarah. Yeah, I'm, I'm back in town. I want to see Kira, okay? Well, that's not fair, is it? Can I at least speak to her? Hello? All right, we have a little bonus here because we forgot to do the reader question. Justin Kramer1 asks, will there ever be another teen drama show as great as this? <laughs> so I don't know. Do you guys I'm going to think... go ahead and say no. I mean, how could there be? Can we name yeah. like a better teen drama? No. I, I feel like I just don't know the teen dramas right now. I think Friday Night Lights is close, Justin. I, I will say that. I think Friday Night Lights is really close. They have one, they have one really bad, um, one bad season, but the rest are really, really good. And you know what? I'm bringing up the 25 best teen dramas of all time. I'm really mm-hmm. oh oh you know like um, Undeclared or Freaks and Geeks. Oh shit! I forgot about Freaks and Geeks, yeah. but they only did yeah. one season. Yeah, like that's the thing that's hard about those ones, because like those two shows, although fantastic, they didn't really have that much time to develop. 
Well, let me just list off some of the other ones. Oh, One Tree Hill. One really quick thing about um, Ryan Atwood. Chad Michael Murray turned that part down to be in One Tree Hill. What a dumbass. Yeah. I, I don't know. One Bet Tree on the Hill. wrong pony on that one. Yeah, One Tree Hill did run ha- did run twice as long. That doesn't really mean it's good, but, you know, what are you going to do? Guess what show we're talking about on Pilot Study. Oh. <laughs> no, done. done. Um, Ver- <laughs> Veronica Mars is a really good one. Uh, we have to remember yeah. that one. They list, uh, here's their top 10. So we have 10, that's The Wonder Years, 9, Dawson's Creek, and this is from Complex. 8, Beverly Hills, 90210. 7 is The O.C., so they have 6 listed above. They have Degrassi, Freaks and Geeks. I'd agree with Freaks and Geeks. My So-Called yeah. Life um, with our boy Jared Leto. They list Buffy, yeah. uh, not really a teen drama. They list, yeah. they list the British version of Skins. And number one, baby, Friday Night Lights. What's up? Yeah, I put. I have to backtrack and say, Freaks and Geeks and My So-Called Life. If they had gone more than one season, uh, a piece, I think, mm-hmm. yeah. I yeah, think but, like, that's my own. Uh, that. Is that, like, it, it, the OC went for like four seasons, which is like kind of like an ideal number of like you know it fell in quality towards the end. But it's like Freaks and Geeks and My So-Called Life both didn't have the chance to kind of. Fall. Right. It's hard to it's hard it's hard to compare them, you know. It's hard to say like it's yeah, it's it's hard to compare the same way it'd be hard to compare like true detective to a detective show that ran for eight five seasons or eight seasons or whatever. It's just it like a really good one like NCIS. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it just it, it doesn't have time to falter. So like right. yeah, Freaks and Geeks has twenty or suck. It's like not fair. Right. It has twenty near perfect episodes, but it's hard. I would still put I'd go Friday Night Lights, Freaks, OC. That's my top three. Well, in terms of teen drama, one that's missing on there is Clone High USA. That oh, one's missing too. Oh, that's a very that's Clone a very good choice. All right, I can deal yeah. with that. All right, so uh, I'm glad we came. I'm, I'm glad we came back for this because I remembered how good some shows are. So once yeah, again, thank you to Grimes and thank you to Mike for joining me. Yeah, thank you. See ya. Oh, daddy.